You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. And away we go. It's another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. The editor-in-chief of ArrowheadPride.com, Pete Sweeney, here with my esteemed deputy editor, John Dixon. John, we are now through the draft and rookie minicamp, and you know what happens now. We blink, and it'll soon be training camp in the regular season. Yeah, that's really true. Uh, I mean, it's still a little ways away, but uh, time's going to start multiplying quickly here, I think. Right. We're just a few days away from what will be the OTAs, and there'll be some more media that comes with that. Again, we just got out of rookie minicamp, so in this show, we're going to go over some of the best quotes from the Zoom conference calls. We've dropped them to the Arrowhead Pride podcast feed in full, so if you want to go back and listen to the press conferences from rookie minicamp weekend, I encourage you to go and do that. We're also going to talk about the Chiefs' initial spreads. Las Vegas is getting more and more involved with the NFL each and every season. We have our initial spreads for each of the games. So we'll talk about that later on in the show. One thing I will say, if you can, it helps us. If you can rate and review us on Apple iTunes, on Spotify, however it is you listen to the podcast, that always helps with the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. But John, let's get into the Kansas City Chiefs news that we have yet to talk about here on the podcast network. And the first story that began making waves this past week, and I'll shed some light here. It was a deleted tweet. So I think when you're an editor of a website, you go back and forth a little bit about whether or not to write your own isolated story on what was a deleted tweet. Tyron Matthew... Uh, answered a fan asking about a potential contract extension. This has been a question of the Chiefs offseason. And he was honest. He said, probably not been here before, all good, and then deleted the tweet. I asked myself at that point, I I saw some of our competitors running stories on this. Mm -hmm. And I asked myself at that point, well, why would he delete it? Well, he probably got a call from his agent and said, look, this isn't necessarily done. Uh, There is a question here. I'm sure he was getting word that who knows, you might have to play out this final year. Uh, But now that it's made the waves, I figured we should at least talk about it. I thought this was interesting from Joel Corey, who quote tweeted our Arrow headlines uh, because we ended up picking it up in Arrow headlines. And Corey said, in other words, the Chiefs don't want to pay Tyron Matthew more than Justin Simmons of the Denver Broncos. Which who who makes fifteen point two five million per year, thirty five million in guarantees, thirty two point one million fully guaranteed at the signing, and he also said a franchise tag in twenty twenty two at twenty three point sixty three million won't happen. I find it hard to wrap my head around the idea that the Chiefs would let Tyron Matthew walk after his contract, but. 
that being said, that can be possible when you let a contract expire. Now, I point to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who had a little bit of an issue uh, this past year um, with Shaq Barrett and Chris Godwin at the same time. They end up franchise tagging Godwin. I think that's happening for Orlando Brown, who has a smaller tag. And so they were still able to figure it out with Shaq Barrett. So this isn't necessarily done after this year. And I I think Tyron Matthew wants to be a chief. I I expect him uh, to play well this year and work with the Chiefs. But I guess it is worth at least presenting and discussing on the podcast that it doesn't seem like the extension, at least from what we can tell, is happening this offseason. Well, I'll just react to Joel Corey's tweet, too. Um, I'm not sure it's quite the same situation with Matthew that it is with Justin Simmons. I mean, Matthew is old enough now that he probably recognizes his value to a team uh, isn't maybe going to be as high as it would be uh, if he were younger. I mean, if he's smart, he does that. Right. Uh, And I I think Matthew is smart. And um, so I'm not sure that the Chiefs are necessarily facing – paying Matthew the highest salary of any of any uh, safety in the league before the before all the offseason moves to create cap space you know I proposed to extending Tyron Matthews contract at this point is as a move to create cap space and I think it's possible for the Chiefs to work out a deal that'll work for them but I really would be surprised if the Chiefs want that contract to have significant money more than a couple of years down the road. Um, you know, at that point, I believe he'll be 31, and that's pretty old for a safety in the NFL. And I'd be surprised if the Chiefs want to have significant money and resources tied up in him much beyond that. Yeah, Simmons is 27. Right now, Matthew is 29. Right. They've yeah. made mistakes with safeties in the past, and the body broke down of Eric Berry and they were in a really precarious situation at that point. So could be the chiefs saying, all right, we're going to be patient here. We're going to see how this plays out. Uh, We might want to see how Matthew plays during the 2021 season. Is he going to be at the same level? I mean, in the last two seasons in the second half of the season, he's looked like the defensive player uh, of the league. And so it's an interesting uh, dynamic here. He is certainly one of the staples. The Chiefs defense has been vastly different since he's come aboard, meaning it's been a strength matching seamlessly uh, the offense in, in a way. And I, I also think Steve Spagnolo has a lot to do that, but certainly your player leader is right. Tyron Matthew. I, I couldn't agree. I couldn't agree more with that. I mean, the people tend to focus on individual plays that Matthew makes and say, oh, he's not that great. Well, no, that's not why the Chiefs got him. The Chiefs got him because he changed the culture of the defense and became one of its team leaders. And And I think you can't overestimate that. That's just my view of it. Yeah, and I'll say it quite often on the radio, he just lifts the younger players. Like, I don't think Juan Thornhill is having as great of a rookie year before the injury as he did without Tyron Matthew next to him. I mean, the Chiefs tend to run a lot of young cornerbacks because it it creates an affordable situation. I don't know how effective they would be without the guidance of Tyron Matthew really injected a change, a necessary change from what was the Bob Sutton defense and was a major reason I, I think the Chiefs were so effective and able to win their Super Bowl championship just two years ago. Agreed. All right. We will see what happens with Tyron Matthew. A couple minor transactions we want to note. 
The Chiefs over the weekend signed two tryout players in Darius Fountain and Manny Patterson. That is a wide receiver and a defensive back. A defensive back Jalen McLean Sapp was waived and wide receiver Tajay Sharp, his contract was terminated. There was some thought that maybe Sharp would play his way into what was uh, some kind of role for the Chiefs in the back end of that wide receiver room. But I think that room is simply too deep at this point. And when you're adding another tryout player at wide receiver, I, I just think it was too much for Sharp to st stay on the team. Good for the Chiefs uh, to end up signing two of their five tryout players. And even still, it sometimes is a, is a tough task. It sometimes is a, a tall mountain to climb to make the team, even if you are able to get on the 90 man out of what is a rookie tryout in a sense. Well, and I think it's important to remember that both of these guys will still be available later. You know, once the Chiefs have had a chance to evaluate these guys that they've signed after these rookie minicamp tryouts, they may think, oh, well, maybe that <laughs> maybe we spoke too soon on this guy. And Tajay Sharp may be still available at that point. They've always got the option to bring him back and uh, take another look at the situation. I mean, it, and they should. You know, this is something that they they need to be reevaluating all the time and that's why they make these moves you know here's a couple of guys that we think can work better so let's get them and get rid of these guys and maybe we'll change our minds yeah the interesting thing when it comes to these two players and patterson and fountain is they've both been with other teams before they aren't just guys that have not been with other clubs uh, patterson spent some time with the wft and the houston texans and then Fountain, he had spent some time with the Indianapolis Colts. There were also some uh, interesting players that they threw up on the podium uh, in a Dalton Schoen, who is local, who really didn't have necessarily a fair shake uh, last year uh, as an undrafted free agent trying to make a team without preseason. You forget about that. So I find him to be interesting. Shane Buscelli, the quarterback. Yeah, there's no quarterback need on on this team, but there was certainly interest in bringing him aboard. And so he got to speak at the podium. So there are some interesting young players at the back end of the roster that'll be competing for you know, those final few Dave Tobe style spots, mm -hmm. as well as what will be practice squad players, because these don't scream out players that are going to necessarily be plucked from you because I don't think enough is going to be known about them. We'll see how the preseason and the off season goes when it comes to film uh, and whatnot. But uh, again, it's, it's a will-see thing. It's a back end of the roster thing. Just wanted to note here uh, in the news section of the podcast. Another news story that we found interesting, given the offseason and the way it's been uh, with the NFLPA getting involved, is that 81 players came out for phase two that began on Monday for the Kansas City Chiefs after a rookie minicamp. That report from the Kansas City Stars, Herbie Teope. And so... That is a good sign. I had talked with some folks and and they expect potentially even more players to be uh, coming a little bit later. And so the Chiefs should be approaching their full 90-man roster with other teams and they are deciding not to come to voluntary workouts. I know that the NFLPA doesn't want to say that some teams are getting an advantage here, but I'll say it. Some teams are getting an advantage here <laughs> and the Kansas City Chiefs are are, are one of them. Yeah. Well, and I, and I think, you know, it's always important to compare what other what's happening with other teams in this kind of a situation. You know, there was a report yesterday that the Broncos had more than 70 players at, at their off-season voluntary program on Monday. 
And of course, maybe that's 79 and it's not that much different than 91, or maybe right. it's 71. Right. And it's quite a bit different than 91 players. And of For course, 81, the Broncos, 81, yeah, the 81 yeah. players. Yes. Yeah. Right. Right. 81. I'm sorry. Um, so, you know, the Broncos were the first team to make the for its players to make the public statement in support of the the boycott the NFLPA was organizing. So you would expect there to be a pretty big impact on that team. But they are also a team that's had a couple of significant incidents. Um, you know, we've got uh, Yawan James, who's now been cut from the team after sustaining a season-ending injury while working out away from the facility. And then they had another player. They were getting ready to trade. Right. And he tore his ACL away from the facility. And now, you know, he's worth nothing to them. Well, so, that's the thing. I mean, if you're a younger player here, yeah, I'm going to the facility every day I right. can. Right. Like, yeah. why, why would... <laughs> It, now, these guys who have made their money and they have millions in the bank, I think that's a different story. Of course, they want certain things in the offseason, but that that's always been an interesting way the owners play against the players a little bit because these younger players, these guys who have not made their live salary yet, they need that money. And so mm -hmm. if they're going to get injured, it better be at the facility so that becomes guaranteed for them or they enter the rehab program. And this is a player in James who was cut he was cut and he was in, right. and he was injured and the and the Denver Broncos technically don't owe him any money and the players are well aware of this Patrick Mahomes and Tyree Kill quote tweeted and commented on the situation right when it happened and so that is part of the motivation i'm sure too to make sure you get in the building right and you know we it, things may have changed a little bit at the Broncos and of course the Chiefs are one of the teams that have the largest number of players who have off-season workout bonuses, which right. enters into this equation as well. So, you know, there's a lot of factors at play here, but um, I think the fact that the Chiefs had 81 players, 90% of the roster, in a voluntary workout in this environment is a pretty, pretty good piece of information. Speaking of stories stemming from coronavirus, the player I think we were all watching was not really a technical rookie this past weekend at rookie minicamp in offensive lineman Lucas Niang, the draft pick from last year, who the Chiefs were really high upon. And, and they felt like, okay, uh, Niang could maybe be a guard for us, maybe be a tackle for us in the future. This was the Chiefs' first look at him. I want to note here for fans, because I, I know that there's going to be some correctors on Twitter and stuff like that, right? <laughs> so no. the team is officially calling him a rookie. Right. And I've cautioned myself in calling him that in an article because I think we'll get folks that say, no, he's a second-year player. But on the Chiefs' official roster, he is a rookie again. And so that's part of the reason he was at rookie minicamp. And according to Chiefs head coach Andy Reid, he looked pretty good. You know, he's done, he's done a nice job in this camp, Adam. I mean, he, he's, he's, a, he's a big man, like really a big man that has these beautiful feet. So I look forward to getting him back in the pads and training camp and moving around and, <clears throat> and doing uh, uh, what offensive linemen do, the real football part of it. Um, but till then, this gives him a chance to get acclimated uh, uh, mentally and physically as he goes forward. So I, I think that's a, it's a good lead up for him. As a medium man with beautiful feet, I felt I could really relate. <laughs> to this from Andy. No, but in all seriousness, uh, good to hear that 
Andy Reid feels like Niang came back in shape. Even if Niang didn't come back in shape, I doubt Andy Reid would say, no, he should have came back in better shape. Right. right. Seems like it's all good right now, though. I had noted this on, on 610 earlier this morning. Niang's trajectory is interesting. And I can't blame the player for skipping out in a year as they're talking about their health. And it's up to everyone's decision. That's something that I'll always say. And so Niang said, okay, we don't know enough about this disease. I'm going to not play this year. But in that decision, and this is just reality, he gypped himself out of left tackle consideration because he was due to maybe start at guard, and he might have, because don't forget, that was Allegretti's position once Mitch Schwartz got hurt. And then the idea was, okay, we'll have him develop, and then maybe we kick him out to left tackle. We know about Orlando Brown and his outright refusal to play any other position on the offensive line. The Chiefs knew that when they acquired him. So Orlando Brown is your left tackle. He is now out of that mix. And so you've seen him in off-season videos working on the right side and that right side stance. He's going to be competing to play right tackle because the Chiefs have plenty of right guards as well. And so there's one position for Niang. He'll be going head-to-head with Mike Remmers. I still think that it's Remmers' position to probably lose. And maybe it's a scenario where Remmers gets the initial job and then Niang can work his way there as he develops under Andy Heck. Or this may end up being a a double redshirt year for Niang. Again, the, the overarching thing for me here is good to see him back in the mix. Right. Well, I think you make a really good point about the the opt-out may have cost him an opportunity to play left tackle for the Chiefs. I hadn't thought about it quite that way. And he was very careful to say when he spoke to the press uh, this weekend that he didn't regret the decision. He felt yeah. that, you know, I made the decision that I, you know, on the information that I had and I thought it was the best decision and I don't regret it. He was clear about that. In fact, um, he didn't really seem to want to talk about it all that much. And uh, he no, he to, it, it did. It seemed like he wanted to just move on. Right, right. And I think that's fine. Um, but, you know, uh, I think as I watch, as I listened to him talk over the weekend, and then as I read through what he'd said, you know, after listening to him speak, oh. I am more and more convinced that this guy is going to be a player in this league. And I know that's weird to to make a statement based on the way the guy presents himself in press conferences. But this man's self-confidence is off the charts. I mean, it really is. And he's and a he's I, a big man. I, I saw some comments over the weekend about pictures coming out where he looked a, a little bit bigger. He's an offensive lineman. I mean, it, if there's one position that maybe you could look a little bit out of shape, yeah, it's yeah. the offensive line so you don't get pushed around. And so I, I am not concerned about the way Niang looked at all. I agree with you. And I think there's some reality to that because it reminded me last year when uh, the Chiefs had Kalecio Semele in the mix and finally they had that sort of nastiness. You could tell mm-hmm. that there's like yeah. some kind of nastiness to Niang. I'm eager to see him perform, especially in what will be that trench-type warfare training camp. They do OL versus DL as they try to figure out this offensive line. Another offensive lineman we failed to talk about last week, and that's on me. It was our first editor show back, but Eric Fisher is now a member of the Indianapolis Colts, and they have a dire need at left tackle. They'll have to wait for Fisher. They won't rush him back from what was his torn ACL, but Fisher, with the injury, and this is the, the reality of football, we talked about James and the Broncos. 
he wasn't a member of the Chiefs and the Chiefs went and solved their problem. They're not going to sit and wait and see if Fisher will come back for a certain amount of money. Uh, I know that there was originally a desire to maybe bring him back, but probably a better fit for the Indianapolis Colts protecting Carson Wentz. When he's healthy, they will need him. I don't know if that would have been the case in Kansas City. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I think a lot of people had it in the back of their heads that this was all just a sham. The Chiefs were going to bring Fisher and Schwartz back at the beginning of the season. It's like, no, that's not what teams do. They'll leave that possibility open right. because you never know. You know, maybe you well, won't now be for able Schwartz. to trade. Yeah. Schwartz is still out there. Yeah. Uh, you know, maybe you'll have to, uh, you won't be able to get the the player you need bef- right before the draft or draft the player that you need. You always want to leave those doors open, but those doors are mostly closed. Let's just be clear about that. When you release a player who is under contract to play the coming season, you've pretty much closed that door. And the same goes with all these conversations about why don't they bring back Justin Houston? Speaking of players who are on the who have been on the Colts, it, you know, that, it's that really door is rare. Pretty much closed. Yeah. It's really rare, I would say, yeah. especially in the same season. We're releasing you at this salary. They're going to come back for this salary. Extremely rare. And then, I would say, in the case of Houston, there was a clear organizational move on. From Houston and that guard. And there's 31 other teams out there. And we've seen Houston bounce around. I I don't know if if this is an organization that would bring him back in the mix. And and I think you're right about that. Yeah. Well, and it's not that it's not that he couldn't be a good player on the Chiefs. Right. Of course he could. But you know, when you release a player who's under contract you know, the door is mostly closed. It could be opened. Yes, there's always that possibility. But it's not, you know, you're just not going to be wise to think that's a likely outcome of the situation. He's John Dixon. I'm Pete Sweeney. Those are your news and notes here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. When we come back, the quotes to know, the quotes that stood out from Rookie Minicamp Weekend. Stay with us. Back. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show, we appreciate you joining us. We're coming out of what was rookie mini camp weekend, which saw a lot of these rookies go to the virtual podium via Zoom conference call. Andy Reid was the only personnel member, the only staff member to take the podium. We did not see Steve Spagnola or any of the assistants that'll come later on. But I thought the quote that stood out from Andy Reid was a cry to the NFL a cry to the importance of what was rookie minicamp and minicamps like them because he took a question and really got into the detail of why it was important that they meet in the off season. Yeah. So listen, I, I just think uh, you, you want to go into training camp uh, with an understanding. So of the new things that you're able to study and, and experiment with uh, 
you know, uh, as coaches and then on the field uh, as players um, uh, to make yourself better uh, this next year. So uh, that's what this did. This gave them an opportunity now to hit phase two when the veterans are here uh, with an understanding of, of a base understanding of what's going on. They're going to have to strap it on when the when the veterans get in because it's gone fast. We're already four installs into into it, uh, and they're going to have to catch up. And the number of plays and all those things are going to have to catch up. But at least they have a foundation. Um, and then I'd say the same thing for the veterans when uh, they're able to get on the field. Now they've they've done this in the classroom. Now now it's an opportunity to get out and and walk through it, uh, and then jog through it, and then run it. And uh, those steps become uh, important um, when, when, you know, when you go into training camp. It gives you an opportunity to be better. This to me was more than Andy Reid just talking about rookie minicamp. This was Andy mm-hmm. Reid saying, yeah. these off-season programs are critical to the quality of the game. He's not going into that much detail just to talk about rookie minicamp. And, and you could see at the end of that quote, it was more, I think, a message to the NFL and really the NFLPA that says the the quality of the game, we're going to be better. The league is going to be better. If we have a foundation going into training camp, you can tell that Andy Reid does not want to lose these offseason moments, albeit minimal, to have with his team. I I agree completely with your characterization of Reed's remarks. And I agree with Andy too. You know, the NFLPA's position has been, look, we got through the off season last year without having all these in-person activities and this voluntary stuff that shows that we can get by without it. Well, yeah, you got by without it for one season. That's not the same as the long-term health of the league. And I think the long-term health of the league will suffer if they go to an all virtual thing. I think it's great that some of it is virtual. You know, I don't think there's any problem with having team meetings be virtual. It's more convenient for the players. Uh, I I got no problem with that. But I think it's going to hurt the league in the long term if we don't have more in-person stuff in the early part of the offseason. I just just have that feeling about it. And I would agree with you even from like a media standpoint. So that's how I look at it. Right. And, mm-hmm. and I'll give you an example. So, and this is just pulling the curtain back for fans as well. We go in as reporters on Monday and we simply would have Andy Reed in a pre coronavirus world at the podium. The locker room isn't mm-hmm. open on Mondays to me. Yeah. I think that maybe could be done on zoom, you know, the, the day after the game where we're not going in for about 20 minutes and then turn around now where it concerns you are these other days. And that's where I think as a media member, you know, we still want to eventually, when it's safe, be able to go in the locker room Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. But I, I think for both media, for coaching staff, this had a silver lining to it where, and I, I think you could say that in, in all aspects of the working world. I'm sure there, mm-hmm. there's folks yeah. listening oh, yeah. that says, yeah, we could do that in Zoom. We don't need to be in the office 40 hours a week. Yeah there's still going to be things that there's a benefit to being in person. Let's just work smarter here. And Andy Reid, I think, is essentially pleading and saying, I know it worked last year, but for the betterment of the league, let's still make sure that we have these minimal, because they are minimal. I mean, I think it's like 10 10 practices uh, and you have the, the workout program, but let's make sure we have these couple months where we're just not taking essentially six months off. And so- 
I, I think that was a very public message to not only the local media, but also the national media and the NFL as a whole. All right, let's get into some of these uh, rookie quotes. I had four that I pulled and I'll start with Creed Humphrey. And I've gone on record in saying, I think Creed Humphrey is the draft pick that is most likely to have a starting position day one. I think he, in my mind, at least, I think he's the favorite to win the center position. And he seems to be very, very comfortable so far with the Andy Reid playbook, which in, in past years, from what I know, is is rare. Yeah, you know, I'm excited about the playbook. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that I like. Uh you know, great run schemes, you know, great passing plays, everything like that. You know, I'm excited to dive into it deep and uh, really get uh, get everything done. First time in a few months now, you're going to be doing some football activities on the field. What are you hoping to, to show the coaches these next three days leading into OTAs? Yeah, just that I'm coachable. You know, I'm going to take coaching uh, well. You know, I'm going to work my butt off, uh, making sure I'm doing, you know, all the right things, uh, showing them that I'm a loyal guy. You know, I'm a team first guy and you know just getting down there and competing that second voice you heard was also herbie of the kansas city star good question there and i i think that second part is something i wanted to highlight as well because it just felt like and john you've heard all these rookie press conferences too it, it felt like these guys had good makeup like i i know they're just press conferences i know there's a pr aspect to it but it seemed like the Chiefs really brought in some some good guys this year i agree hey i agree and i think that that's one of the things the chiefs are looking for is guys who are smart, guys who are leaders, uh, guys who know how to take responsibility and help other players along. Uh, that seems to be part of the chemistry of the team. It has been ever since Andy Reid arrived, and I don't see that changing. And and you see this in the players they bring in. Even even Dalton Schoen uh, on Sunday. This is a right. this is a kid who walked on at K State and became a significant player there. And he sounds like a guy you'd want to have on your team. You know, he, he said, well, you know, yeah, this was the, I knew this was going to be hard when I walked on at K-State, but I did it. And I know this is going to be hard and we'll see if I can do it again. You love that attitude. Yeah. The, the Chiefs really made a very competitive offensive line room stemming from the Super Bowl, but in the departure of Sammy Watkins, they got some real opportunity to deepen the wide receiver room as well. And I don't know if Schoen is making the 53-man roster, but from that press conference, you realized, man, this would be a great player to develop on a practice squad. Yeah. And don't, don't forget that. That's what they did with a Demetrius Harris. And then all of a sudden, a training camp happened and Harris had been with the team a couple of years learning and he could contribute. And so I, I think there are certainly candidates for that as well. Want to continue with the quotes. We talked about Creed Humphrey, who was a second rounder. The top pick in the second round for the Chiefs was Nick Bolton. And Bolton was asked if he's spoken to Anthony Hitchens. Oh, uh, yeah. So I talked to Hitch. Uh, that's one of my guys. Um, he was actually down there in Dallas when I was down there. So uh, I text him uh, quite a bit. Uh, we talked a lot. Uh, so I'm just looking forward to building that relationship. So Nick Bolton was drafted, and if you look at the contract and the writing on the wall, this is a player who could replace Anthony Hitchens mm -hmm. next year. Yeah. And you saw that. And this is a lot, I think, to say about Hitch. Even knowing that, I knew that Anthony Hitchens was the type of guy that would handle this the right way. And in this year of development for Bolton, both in the short term, what he can do next year with Damian Wilson no longer there, and in the long term, is just so important for the franchise. So good to know, I think, that Hitchens has already taken uh, Bolton under his wing. Yeah, I, I found that to be very interesting. 
And it made me wonder, you know, who initiated that contact? You know, did did Bolton reach out to Hitchens or did Hitchens reach out to Bolton to become one of his guys, as Bolton put it? Um, that's a key question. But uh, yeah, you regardless of how it started, you just love to see that. Another indicator that the Chiefs are looking for those kinds of guys and and putting them on the team and putting them in places that they can play. Right. And I think that Anthony Hitchens truly loves being a chief. And I know we had talked about Matthew at the front of the show. Maybe that is a low key candidate to take a cut to make sure that he stays here past this year. And so long ways away. I don't think we're going to have to have that conversation until next year, but uh, Hitchens to me has been another key player for this defense. You wouldn't want to see uh, him lost uh, because of a, a salary cap situation and the chiefs will be up against it. And now that you, you sign that Patrick Mahomes deal, you got to be creative. Luckily for them and really the league as a whole, the salary cap should be moving up, 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 up. And then, you know, it'll obviously be easier to keep some of these veteran players. All right, let's continue with the sound. Uh, the wide receiver, Cornell Powell, the guy that the Chiefs took uh, from Clemson in the draft, wearing now number 14. There was a nice exchange between Powell and Sammy Watkins on Twitter uh, where he essentially was told by Watkins to represent number 14 well. These are two Clemson guys. And speaking of Clemson, I think that could really help Powell when it comes to his transition uh, to the Chiefs and, and trying to win championships. Um, I come from a winning program and, and this is a winning program as well. So I feel like that transition is going to be smooth. Um, I know what to expect. They expect championships and, and that's where I'm coming from uh, being at Clemson and then being coached by Coach Sweeney. Uh, he's a very uh, guy fearing man, you know, uh, someone who believes in family atmosphere and all about culture. And I'm being here for these past couple of days, you know, I, I feel, feel the same vibe. Uh, it's all about culture. It's all about the little things, you know, shirt tucks in and just uh, doing all the little things. So uh, it's going to be great, man. And and then going from Trevor to Patrick McHolmes, uh, it's just a blessing. You know, I couldn't ask for anything better. Uh, I, I fell into the perfect situation. So just going to make the most of every opportunity that I get. Now, this is a wide receiver taken on day three of the NFL draft. So you got to keep your expectations down somewhat. But I like that he's played really at the highest level of football, winning the two championships, being in the mix for uh, the college football playoff. I believe it was the three times and sticking with it. He didn't have a great college career until the final season when he got more than 800 yards and a bunch of touchdowns. And I like the program to program comparison there. I think sometimes the moment can be especially big for players who enter the NFL, but this is someone who has been in the spotlight already because of that college program. Yeah, and I think that showed in his self-confidence. Most of the rookies made a point of saying, you know, I'm just here to do whatever, you know, the team wants me to do, uh, whatever role fits for them. Uh, that seemed to be a common theme in a lot of these rookies' comments this weekend, and that's okay. You know, you like to see that in players, that they understand that this is a hard road in front of them. Uh, even though they were great players in college, it's not going to be the same in the NFL. But here's here's Powell saying, oh, well, I'm a playmaker. Right. <laughs> you know, I'm going to go out there and make plays. So you like to see that too. You, you, but, but I agree. I think he came from a program where it's going to be easier for him to transition because it sounds like it's very similar to what Reed is doing. 
This stood out to me in the semifinal against Ohio State in the Sugar Bowl loss for Clemson. Eight catches for 139 yards and two yeah. touchdowns from Trevor yeah. Lawrence. Uh, that it's the greatest stage you could potentially be on and rising to the occasion there. I just feel like if you can do it at that stage, you might be able to do it in the NFL. And yep. I really think this is a wide open competition. I, I don't like, I think like Humphrey where I said, he's probably favored in my mind for the center position. I don't feel that about Powell and taking Sammy Watkins. I'd probably lean on Byron Pringle, McCole Hardman, maybe even Demarcus Robinson. I, right. I like those first two first. But Powell could be someone who later on in the season starts to emerge. We saw that in Tyree Kill's early year, um, maybe next year. I, I like the addition uh, uh, on day three of Powell, especially from that program. Right. Final, final sound I want to play as we highlight these rookie sounds uh, is that of Trey Smith. Trey Smith, uh, the player out of Tennessee who fell in the draft because of that blood clot issue thing. Seems like he's really come to peace with that and likes that he ended up landing in Kansas City. Yeah, those three days um, were pretty grueling, uh, just being quite honest with you. Uh, I have a certain like standard expectations I have for myself and my life. And, you know, not meeting that, I uh, was disappointed. But ultimately, you know, God has an ultimate plan for me and my life. And I think right now I'm at the best place I could actually be at. You know, I'm super excited to be here, super excited to get to work with Coach Heck every day. So ultimately it ended up well. Yeah, Trey Smith, high goals. It sounded a little bit older than a 21-year-old right there. And I think could be a, a hidden gem for the Chiefs and happy to be here. I'm constantly astounded by uh, how mature these 21-year-old kids sound when I think about myself at that age. <laughs> well, but yeah, another case of a, a player who really presented him well. You got to grow up himself. quick. And, and Trey Smith was a player who wanted to go on day one or day two of the draft and didn't hear his name called until the sixth round. And that was my question to him later on. And I don't have the sound pulled up, but I asked him if that's going to motivate him. And he said, of course, but really he's just focusing on, on the team and making this team and doing what he can to help this team. We don't project or I don't project him to start this year, but I think this is, uh, again, a hidden gem. We're going to provide some depth for you in year one and could be you know, a really cheap option for you as you continue to mold this team into the future. So those are the rookie highlights from rookie minicamp weekend here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. When we come back, we'll have a smaller segment. We'll talk about some of the Vegas odds of this Chiefs team. Stay with us on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show, Pete Sweeney, John Dixon. John, as you know, and as we've begun to cover, I think, a little bit more at AP. This is a sports world, an NFL world that is getting more used to the idea of spreads being relevant because we're seeing an increase of gambling becoming legal in the United States. It's becoming of interest to our readers and fans. And what was amazing about this Chiefs team is the fact that they were never the underdog on the opening odds of the 2021 schedule. The closest they got was week two at the Baltimore Ravens when there is, it's a pick em game, meaning that there is no spread. But other than that, as I'm looking, they're mostly touchdown favorites in every game. The only ones where they are less than a touchdown favorites are opening week against the Browns, only six and a half favored for the Chiefs. I mentioned week two. Week five versus the Bills, they're minus four and a half. At Washington, minus six and a half. 
at the Titans minus four and a half. And then that final week of the season, uh, they're minus three. Uh, also, a couple weeks earlier, Chargers minus six and a half. But mostly touchdown favorites. That is so rare, I think, for a team. And I think it just shows the confidence. And I, I know that Dana Hughes likes to say this. A great contributor. I believe he's the Chiefs color man, works on 610. Now, they don't put up those tall, shiny buildings for being wrong. And so <laughs> you got to like that as a fan of the Kansas City Chiefs, seeing all of these spreads and just how favored they are uh, for this upcoming season. Well, and I think it's, you know, we always have to make this disclaimer that the odds makers aren't predicting the games. They're predicting what the, how they, they think the public will predict the right. games. Because the way a, a casino or a sports book makes money is having the same amount of money on both sides of the wager. So the point spread is just meant to equalize that. And so in the end, this is what the public thinks. And yes, it's incredible that the public thinks the Chiefs are going to win all of these games by such a substantial margin. The thing that I found most interesting, and I and I mentioned this in the article, was the difference between the point spreads for the Broncos and Chiefs in Denver and in Kansas City. Um, you know, at home, the Chiefs are favored by nine and a half. At Denver, five weeks later, they're favored by three points. Well, normally, the difference between home and away is about three points on right. uh, on a point spread. So that's a pretty big gap there, and I think it's because even members of the public understand that when we get to the end of the season, there's a good chance the Chiefs will be resting their starters. And that's a that's a pretty big thing for the odds makers to be thinking about at this point of the season. So I thought that was very interesting. I know you want it, John, and I'm going to give it to you. Here are three of Pete's super locks as we're looking <laughs> at this beginning spread schedule thing. First of all, week one versus the Browns chiefs minus six and a half. People forgot about Patrick Mahomes because they saw him running around in the Super Bowl. Patrick Mahomes is going to be well protected. He will beat the Browns by a touchdown, probably two touchdowns or 10 points or something. But minus six and a half is too small, especially at Arrowhead Stadium. Book it. Lock. Yeah. Week six at Washington. I don't care if they're at Washington. I don't care if they're playing Kansas City hero, Ryan Fitzpatrick, probably. Minus six and a half against the Washington football team. No, that is a lock. And the week after, week seven, at the Tennessee Titans. Yeah. I think that the Titans are, are no longer a playoff team, in my mind. Minus four and a half at the Titans. Those are three locks. You want to make some money? Parlay them if you want. Do whatever. If you want to bet them individually. And if I'm wrong, write me on Twitter and I'll buy you a sandwich or something because I'm that sure of these picks. Okay? Okay. We're going to be talking about another deleted tweet here pretty soon, I think. <laughs> Someone delete this audio, right? They, it's been dug up. It, right now it's week eight, and you've dug up this audio, and you're sending it to me. Stop it. Delete the audio. I'm just kidding. I'm not buying you a sandwich. All right. But good to know the Chiefs are favored throughout the year. I think it's going to be a fun season, and it really starts the offseason with this rookie minicamp. So, you know, I joked in the opener, but it, it really is true. Once this stuff starts to really happen, you blink, and it's the regular season. It's training camp. It's all that fun stuff. So looking forward to, to doing it again with you, John. I'm looking forward to it, too. It's going to be a great season. I think this. I think that's the one thing that we can take away from this uh, this published list of odds is that the Chiefs 
are still a great team. I know right. watching that 31 to nine loss in the Super Bowl was terrible. It was for me too. I, I hated it. And I'm personally responsible for it because I wore suspenders for the first time during a Chiefs you game. You did mention I that. revealed that to, to this point. And so, you know, I, I'm, I'm very sorry for the role I played <laughs> in that loss. Um, I just want to get that out there. But I, I think that we now see that the Chiefs are aware of the problems that they had. They made moves to correct them. That's what you always want to see in an mm -hmm. NFL franchise. And they already were a great team. They're going to be a great team again this season. It's going to be fun to watch. Coming up this week on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network, our friends Ron Kopp and Matt Stagner continued their push with the AP mailbag on Arrowhead Pride Out of Structure. That comes to you on Wednesday morning. We will continue to be having editor's shows and the Great British Chiefs show. You can look forward this Friday uh, to the debut of Show and BK on the Chiefs, oh, which man. we are all very, very excited about. Cool. Yeah. Once again, please rate and review us if you can. Everything helps for John Dixon. I'm Pete Sweeney. Thank you for listening to the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. 